Warning, Wicked Wanderers is not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Wanderers. Welcome to Wicked Wanderers. I'm your Wicked hostess, Jacqueline. I hope everybody had an amazing weekend and went on a adventure. We went paddleboarding this weekend. We typically go paddleboarding because we really enjoy being out on the water, especially when it's over 96 degrees in North Carolina. And if you have never gone paddleboarding, I highly suggest trying it. It is actually a really great workout. When I looked it up yesterday, you burn about 300 to 400 calories in one hour. You do not need to buy a hardboard. We went to funwater.com and blow-up boards were like $200 each. I know there was a promo code, I think, down at the bottom if anybody is interested in it. Highly recommend getting a pump. Hand pumping them absolutely sucks. But anyways, I hope everybody had an amazing 4th of July and didn't get into a lot of trouble. If you are new to this podcast, we travel to a different destination. I discuss a haunted place, some dark tourism, and some fun things to do. So pack your bags. We're traveling to New Hampshire. Live free or die. New Hampshire is a state in the New England region of the northeastern United States. It is bordered by Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine, and the Canadian province of Quebec. New Hampshire is a small state, but is filled with fun things to do. It has 18 miles of coastline, the White Mountains, and has plenty of opportunities for outdoor recreation. Winter and summer fun by the lakes, and there is leaf season in the fall. This state is a year-round destination to travel to. Before we get to our first destination, here are some fun facts and strange laws in New Hampshire. Ferrets are strictly not prohibited while hunting. Sugar shakers must be less than three-eighths of an inch. This law was passed in 1971. You cannot get drunk, go at night, or be under the age of 10 in any cemetery in Claremont. Do you have a gambling debt? Well, you cannot sell the clothes you are wearing to pay that debt. Would anybody really want somebody's clothes that they're wearing? I would definitely want something other than that. You are not allowed to maintain White Mountain National Forest without a permit. This includes picking up trash. 
Sorry, guys. This is a law you're going to have to break. Always pick up trash and pick up after yourselves. It is illegal to show a movie before 2 p.m. If you have to pee on Sunday, don't look up. It's illegal. This would be more of a law for the guys. Sorry, guys. No picnics in the cemeteries in Claremont. Damn, there goes my weekend plans. It is illegal to pick up seaweed. Passengers above the age of 18 do not have to wear their seatbelt. You cannot use an alias to check into a hotel. You are not allowed to use a false name. It is illegal. Makes a lot of sense. There is no sales tax in New Hampshire. New Hampshire was the first American colony to declare its independence from Great Britain. Mount Washington is one of the windiest places on Earth with a recorded wind speed of 231 miles per hour on the 14th of April, 1934. That's some wind right there. Imagine being caught in that. I'd be dead. That's it. Just dead. The original Jumanji was filmed in Keene, New Hampshire. New Hampshire's smallest town is Newcastle, and it covers just 0.08 square miles. And finally, New Hampshire is home to the first ever known case of alien abduction. And now it is time to go to our first haunted destination. The Amos J. Blake House Museum. Amos Blake was an important man in Fitzwilliam. In the mid-1800s, he was a lawyer and he was also a community leader as well as a state legislator. He purchased the house in 1865 and used one of the front rooms as an office for his law practice. Amos died in 1925. His son Leroy opened his insurance business in the home and assumed the residence. Leroy Blake was a ladies' man and a hoarder. That is such a weird combination. And he died in the 1960s. When Leroy died, the rooms were filled with stuff. The house is now the headquarters of the Fitzwilliams Historical Society. The museum has 12 themed rooms, including Blake's office, a parlor, a shop, a tool room, Two kitchens, a woman's bedroom, a child's room, a doctor's room, a schoolroom, and a military room. Each room offers a unique insight into what life was like for residents of New Hampshire during the 19th century. This house is 186 years old, so of course it's haunted, and it is Actually, one of the most haunted places in New Hampshire. The Amos J. Blake house is said to have 11 ghosts and a phantom cat. The cat appears as a misty ball of fuzz. That's actually so cute. I would be totally fine with a phantom cat. Terry Harlow was cleaning on her hands and knees on a section of the floor in front of the parlor when she noticed she wasn't alone. A small cat approached her, wagging its tail, that made her believe it wanted to be petted. 
Before she could get her camera, the cat disappeared right before her eyes. A catnip toy was given to the ghost cat, which is found in various places throughout the house as if the cat found it and was playing with it. Terry, the curator, has said she has witnessed more paranormal phenomenons than she can even fit into a conversation. Well, that's a lot of experiences right there. Every room in the 1837 house has a story. Terry has put several toys on the mantle and came back a few hours later to find them about six feet away on the floor. Joni Mayhem, a paranormal investigator, caught two voices on an EVP and one was in broad daylight, which said, Behind you. I will attach a link to her SoundCloud recording on my Instagram, wicked underscore wanderers podcast, so you can hear that EVP clip. The next EVP Joni caught was in the room dedicated to the local doctor, Dr. George Emerson, who practiced medicine. When she asked about a weird doll that was used to teach new moms how to take care of their new babies, the EVP voice caught someone saying, come on, common, or come in. I will also put the link to her SoundCloud on my Instagram. Joni attempted to get an EVP in a room that was set up as an old-fashioned bedroom and her recorder strangely turned off. In the schoolhouse room during a tour, Terry, the curator, heard sounds coming from the room, and she went back to that room and found several lines drawn on the chalkboard. The attic is a paranormal hotspot. There is a man, a woman, and several children's spirits up there. A grumpy man known to linger in the corner near the stairs, and a woman who loves to dance is often heard there. Of course, Ghost Hunters did an episode there. According to Ghost Hunters, there have been four deaths on the premises. During the investigation, Eddie becomes uneasy, which they felt was due to the electromagnetic fields in the area. When they were in the living room area, they found a thermal hotspot that was coming from the basement. When in the basement, they got a surge on the K2 meter, and the location is where people see a small boy looking at them, investigating the kitchen. Two apparitions are seen in this area. One is believed to be the ghost of Amos Blake, the former owner of the house. The ghost hunters hear noises coming from the tool room, and when they go investigate, they find the room empty. Yet the camera tells a different story. The chains on the walls are lifted mid-air but fall by themselves. There is also an apparition of a young boy. There are objects that move by themselves, strange voices and sounds that sound like a sleigh bell. And finally, some visitors have experienced the uneasiness and even feel nauseous when inside this house. Well, guys... It's safe to say that this place is clearly haunted. The address is 
66 Route 119, Fitzwilliam, New Hampshire. You can go online and schedule a tour. They even do ghost tours. Or you can give them a call at 603-585-7742. You should definitely check that place out. It is fun. While you're in the area, go to Cat Alley. This is an open-air gallery for feline-centric street art. Branching off of Elm Street in Manchester, it gained its nickname from C.T. Durgan. He saw a battle between a pair of stray cats on a small street, and that's where the name came from. For most of its life, Cat Alley was just a mundane street that distinguished itself mainly by its small size. The street art gallery is due to a local realtor who took shine to the area, and he wanted to revitalize the street. After raising some money, he was able to get permission to decorate with cat murals. He recruited a local artist who also worked with at-risk street artists and had a number of wall murals painted across the brick. This imaginative alley is beautiful with bright color murals of precious cats. Check out this amazing piece of art. It is meowtastic. Cat Alley is located across the street from XO Restaurant and the entrance is just to the right of Lala's Hungarian Pastries at 836 Elm Street. Chocolate art? Count me in. Go to the Dancing Lion Chocolate. Richard Tango Lowey is one of the world's best chocolatiers. He prepares it in ancient ways that the Mayans and Belize did. Co-owner Rachel Leaf Comstock is an artist from birth. She brings a flair of elegance that has become the fundamental to Dancing Lion Chocolate style. You can purchase magnificent pieces of edible art, but you might not want to eat it. Every chocolate is lovingly made by hand using some of the world's rarest and most exquisite chocolate. They have a cafe. They make croissants and different pastries. They also have rare loose leaf teas from Taiwan, China, and Japan. You cannot leave without trying the traditional Mayan drinking chocolate. It is not like anything you have ever tasted. The address is 917 Elm Street in Manchester, New Hampshire. Their chocolate looks amazing. Like legitimate pieces of artwork and it's delicious. Benson's Park. This is in Hudson, New Hampshire. This park was once a zoo that was home to lions, elephants, and Tony the Big Gorilla, who also went by the name Colossus. It was established in 1924 by animal trainer John Benson. Benson discovered that installing a permanent circus made his zoo more profitable. The head attraction was Tony the Silverback Gorilla, who was thought to be the largest gorilla ever kept in captivity. Tony had a love for General Hospital. 
and would watch his soap operas on the TV in the back room. Good for you, Tony. You deserve it. Tony, the silverback, even ran for president against both Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter. Vote for Tony. There was also John Benson's pet elephant. There was also John Benson's pet elephant, Betsy. She was also one of the star attractions. Betsy enjoyed her baths in the park's pond, and she gave rides to the park visitors. I do not condone elephant riding. It is animal cruelty, especially in different countries and in Asian countries. When I was in Thailand, I went to an elephant sanctuary where they actually saved the elephants from trekking and the ones that were used in construction to like pull down trees. We would go in there, give them mud baths, feed them and swim with them in the water while scrubbing their skin. Elephant riding, trekking, things like that. They're cruel to the animals. They whip them. They poke them. They tie their babies up to trees so the mother won't leave because their child's there. It's just not a good thing. And please do not go out to different countries and do these types of activities because you are just giving them profits, which will make them continue doing these horrible things to these creatures. End of my rant. Sorry. Betsy lived 28 years past John, who died in 1971. Rest in peace, Betsy. She is said to be buried somewhere on the park's ground. Mr. Benson added attractions, rides, and concessions to the park, and he died in 1943. Benson's was sold and continued to be a tourist attraction until the 1960s. In 1979, Arthur Provencher, a Nassau native, bought the farm and he worked hard to add new attractions and make the place viable, renaming it to New England's Playworld Amusement Park and Zoo. Ultimately, the park would close in 1987. The 550 animals were sold at auction. I 100% hate the fact that these animals were sold at auction. Who knows where they went? I just hope that they were taken care of. Tony, the silverback gorilla, lived until 2006 when he died during an operation to treat a cracked tooth at the Cincinnati Zoo. While under anesthesia, he suffered a massive heart attack. He was 40 years old. The Benson Park would reopen in 2010 when the Hudson Department of Public Works took it over. They maintain the 166 acres today. It is open daily with free parking and free admission. The park symbolizes a story of conservation, restoration, and nostalgia. Explore the empty cages that the animals lived in. Some cages feature artwork and interesting displays, while others are as they would have been when they were used to keep animals in captivity. Feel what it was like to be imprisoned as one of those animals at the zoo. Tony's captive area has been restored. There is a dog park, a A-framed house, which was a former pizza and gift shop, the old lady who lived in a shoe playground, 
hiking trails, and the lake. It is a perfect place to bring the whole family. The address is 27 Kimball Hill Road in Hudson, New Hampshire. Go to the Andreas Institute of Art and Sculpture Garden in Brookline, New Hampshire. View some amazing sculptures in one of the biggest open-air sculpture parks in New England. These sculptures cover over 140 acres, and they are truly amazing. Located in the Monadnock Valley, which provides a perfect bracket which provides a perfect background for this art. These sculptures are made of stone and metal. Sculptures within nature's framework of trees, boulders, critters, and mushrooms. Viewers are free to consider the inherently beautiful art form nature has to offer, along with each piece of artwork. The grounds at Andreas Institute of Art are open to the public year-round, free of charge, and we encourage you to come and enjoy the trails and the sculptures spanning the 140 acres. The location is 106 Route 13 in Brookline, New Hampshire. Go to the Donkey Kong mural in Concord. A quote from Atlas Obscura says, quote, He is painted to the side of a wall. In 2022, a new mural was unveiled in Concord, hidden behind an apartment building in the middle of the city. The mural itself is not easy to get to. Visitors have to snake behind a cafe, through a parking lot, and into a little back alley. The mural turns the apartment's regular elevator shaft into a level from the classic arcade game Donkey Kong. The mural was painted in 2022 by artists Manny Ramirez, Cecilia Ulbaria, and Christian Ramirez. As the founders of A Positive Street Art, a New Hampshire-based nonprofit, the trio aims to uplift and delight communities through their fun incentive murals. The Donkey Kong mural has been embraced by the community and is a favorite insider reference for the people in Concord. End quote. This mural is actually really cool. It looks straight out of a Donkey Kong gang where he's about to throw some barrels at you. And it's so new, but it's definitely something you should check out. It is kind of hard to find as Atlas Obscura said, but you can look it up online and you can find it. And it is just something that's really fascinating and cool. And, you know, it's also from my generation, Donkey Kong. So I think you guys would enjoy it. Go to the Garnet Pool in Greens, New Hampshire. Right near the base of Mount Washington, near the Otter Road entrance, is where the Garnet Pool can be found. The Garnet Pool is filled with smooth rocks, cold rocks, that are molded and eroded by years of rushing water with crystal clear pools deep enough to swim. A popular attraction in the 1800s, the Garnet Pool's proximity to the famous Mount Washington and nearby towns of both Jackson and Gorham 
made it the perfect spot for a day trip. But since modern times, it has fallen deep into obscurity. There is no signs, no trails, and even the most detailed maps of White Mountain region always skips over this little place in the woods. Garnet Pool is a very beautiful, serene, and stunning hideaway. You need to use these exact GPS points. I will add them to my Instagram so you can see exactly where this hidden gem is located. It doesn't get more unique than this. There's the Ice Castle. The Ice Castles is an inspiring, must-see winter phenomenon that brings fairy tales to life. Escape into the world of the ice caves, frozen waterfalls, and glaciers, which form into archways, caverns, slides, and tunnels. The opening and closing dates of the ice castle depends on the weather. They usually start in the colder months, of course, because, you know, it's ice. About January to March, the ice castles are composed of hundreds of thousands of icicles hand-placed to create a magical frozen fairy tale attraction. Once the structure and ice have been designed and built, a regular after-hours water spray helps the structure's evolve creation. The design always changes and is developed depending on the temperature, wind, and water flow, making each castle unique to its environment. Enjoy this magical castle, which also offers horse sleigh rides, and so much more. This is definitely a place that is super fun, family-friendly, and I can't say that I've seen very many ice castles in my life. The address is 24 Clark Farm Road, North Woodstock, New Hampshire. Go to the Madame Sherry Forest. Madame Sherry was an eccentric socialite who threw glamorous parties at her castle in the middle of the forest in Chesterfield. She was high society. And then she fell on hard times and died in poverty. That sucks. Going from the top to the bottom. She died in poverty in 1965. There is a dramatic stone staircase ending in midair. One of those random staircases in the forest. As well as foundations, a cellar area, and stone columns. That is what remains of Madame Sherry's castle. The top half of the staircase crumbled in July 2020. So it is taped off. The Madame Sherry forest is a 513-acre forest that has trails, a pond, and information about the legendary Madame Sherry. To get there, you go from the Madame Sherry Forest parking area, follow the hiking trail axis across a small bridge, and approximately 0.25 miles, the trail forks, bear right at the fork, and continue for another 0.4 miles on Annie Stokes Loop Trail to the junction of the Wantastike Mountain Trail, 
turn right at the trail junction heading west towards Wantastike Mountain. This is where you will find Madame Shetty's castle and the stairs that lead to nothing. Go to the Cheddar's Candy Store. This is in Littleton, New Hampshire. On Littleton's Main Street. The candy store has been on Littleton's Main Street since the late 1800s. Cheddar's is a not-to-be-missed destination for visitors and local residents. First-time visitors will be enchanted by all the assortments and be excited to fill their bags with many of their favorite candies. Cheddar's is named for its original owner, Frederick George Cheddar, a congressional minister who came to Littleton to preach, but instead resigned for the dry good business, eventually becoming a well-loved prominent member of the community. Go in and feel like a kid again. Visit Shutters on Main Street in Littleton, New Hampshire, and discover the sweet life. Shutters has 112 feet of candy counter. Just imagine how much different types of candy can be on that. You will not miss Shutters with its bright pink and purple storefront, and it is located on Main Street. They have nostalgic candy, homemade fudge, and homemade chocolates. Anything from caramel-filled pretzels and cherries dipped in white, dark, or milk chocolates. They also have truffles. And you know, I love candy. So this place is something you have to go to. I mean, 112 feet of counter filled with candy. Way to bring your child's spirit out. Or if you have children, bring them there. Not to mention they have fudge. I love fudge so much. I swear to God, I am like a candy monster sometimes. It is located at 43 Main Street in Littleton, New Hampshire. Don't forget to stop by here. Go to the Basin, located in the Farconia Notch State Park in Lincoln. The Basin is a 30-foot-wide, 15-foot-deep bowl that is filled with rushing water pouring down the face of its granite cliffs. It dates back to the Ice Age. This is a really cool thing to see. No, you cannot go into the basin, but you can look at it. There are two viewing areas. It is a really awesome piece of nature. Parking is accessible in both directions via exit 34A off of I-93. There is a paved hike that leads from the parking lot to the basin. It is dog friendly. Always keep them on a leash. It is also handicap accessible. The walk to the basin is less than 10 minutes and do not miss the amazing baby flume waterfall as well. While you're in the Francona Notch State Park, there are several other trails and outdoor activities that you can do. I highly suggest going to this park. You will truly see the beauty of New Hampshire. It's luscious green foliage, waterfalls, amazing trails, 
amazing rock formations, and everything in between. And finally, there is the Mount Washington Cog Railway. The Mount Washington Cog Railway is fairly well known in, in the Northeast, but is not known nationally. The trains have been taking visitors to the top of Mount Washington for more than 150 years. The journey begins at Marshfield Base Station. I would order tickets ahead. Sit back and enjoy your time on one of the most exhilarating train rides in the nation. You will reach the highest eastern point in the United States, which is Mount Washington. There is a weather observatory stationed at the highest point. You really do not want to miss this railway. It is one of the world's great rail adventures. It is a three-hour round trip to the summit, and it is a year-round attraction. It has spectacular views to the north and the west, and it does have warming huts and a blazing fire pit as well as complimentary hot refreshments. Remember, Mount Washington had 231 mile per hour wind in like the 1930s or 20s. So always make sure you wear something warm, but you cannot see a more beautiful view. I highly recommend going here. The address is 1368 Base Road in Marshfield Station. And now it is time for our final destination. Let's get wicked. We will be heading to Dartmouth College. In 2001, Dartmouth professors Half and Susan Zantop, aged 62 and 55, were stabbed to death at their home in Etna, New Hampshire. They were both originally from Germany. Shout out to my home country. The couple had been teaching in Dartmouth since the 1970s. They were murdered by two high school classmates, James J. Parker, age 16, and Robert W. Tollick, age 17. Suzanne taught in the German department at Dartmouth College and was a chair of the facility. Half taught geology and earth science, and he was popular among most of his students. In 2000, they began discussing retirement and their future. These two amazing people did not deserve what happened to them by these two monsters. Tollick and Parker made several attempts prior to the Xantops with no success. The motive was that they were bored of Chelsea, Vermont, where they lived, and they wanted to find their way to Australia. Upon research, they decided that they needed $10,000 to do so. At first, they were going to just steal cars and then tried credit card fraud and identity theft. They stole mail from houses, but they never got any money. Mr. Tollick came up with the idea of jumping people and killing them to steal their bank cards. 
The teens then purchased two military-style commando knives, which they concealed in backpacks. How about you get a fucking job, guys? 17, 16, you can fucking work. Fund your own bullshit goddamn trip to Australia. Don't kill innocent people. On the morning of January 27th, 2001, Tollick and Parker posed as students doing research for a school survey. Mr. Zantop answered the door, and when the teenagers used the ruse of doing an environmental survey, of course, half Zantop, who was a professor of earth science, welcomed them into their home. It was then when Mr. Tolich saw half Zantop's wallet, which was full of money. That is when he took out one of the knives and started slicing Mr. Zantop. Miss Zantop, of course, heard her husband screaming, and she came running from the kitchen. That's when Mr. Tollick ordered Mr. Parker to slit her throat, which he did. After these two teenagers committed this brutal murder, they fled, somehow undetected, they only got $340. They killed two innocent people for $340. That's what life of not just one person, but two people meant to them. That is absolutely disgusting. The couple were found stabbed to death a few hours later when guests to the dinner party they were supposed to have started to show up. Tollick and Parker were arrested on February 19, 2001 at a truck stop in Indiana. Mr. Zantop's blood was found in the Parker family car and bloody prints from Mr. Parker's shoes and Mr. Tollick's fingerprints were at the Zantop's house. The Zantops were regarded as some of the kindest people they dedicated their lives to education, and as I said, they were discussing retirement soon. Tollick and Parker took advantage of how kind this couple were, and it seems like these kids actually weren't bad kids. Mr. Tollick was actually the student president. They were both very popular, so really, I don't understand why they would just jump to murder. But they did, unfortunately. Tollett, who totally seemed to be the ringleader, who was 18, received mandatory sentence of life without parole after pleading guilty to the murders of Half and Suzanne Zantop. Mr. Parker, who was then 17, was sentenced to 25 years to life after pleading guilty to being an accomplice to Mr. Zantop's murder and agreeing to testify against his partner, Tollett, really seems to show zero remorse for anything that he'd done. He sounds like a sociopath or potentially a psychopath. Mr. Parker expresses remorse, and when he was in court while crying, he said to the Zantop's two daughters, There's not much I can say. I'm just really sorry. I mean, sorry is not going to cut it. I'm sorry. You can't kill somebody's mother and father and 
think that Sari's going to change anything. I understand he was 16 when this happened, and it seemed like he was being influenced by his friend, who seems like a total piece of shit. But yeah, that's never going to change anything. Sari's not going to fix shit. So in 2019, Mr. Parker, who was sentenced for 25 years, withdrew his request to get out of prison early following objections from the victim's family. James Parker, who is now 35 years old, he spent more of his life in prison than he did out of it, will remain in prison until his minimum release date in May 2024, which is not that far away at all. James Parker said he did not wish to cause the family any more pain than he has already done, so he hereby withdraws his motion. He has been a model inmate and has served two-thirds of his sentence, which means that he can seek relief, but he decided against it. I mean, it really does seem like he feels bad for what he did, but he still did it. Mr. Parker's attorney said he respects this difficult decision, which demonstrates his character. Even though he's eligible for parole in 2024, that does not guarantee that he will get it. I don't know how I feel about sending 16, 17-year-old teenagers to life in prison. It's a very controversial thing. It's just their brains aren't developed and prison's no place for anybody because in the United States, we do not try to reform. We just let total chaos happen and horrible things happen in prison. And I'm sure being young kids, they got a lot of that. I don't know how I feel about that. I've never been put in a position to decide that. But, you know, Polich definitely doesn't seem like he has any remorse. He really just doesn't give a shit at all. But Parker does seem like he's very sorry. And like I said, I know sorry doesn't cut it, but you make really bad decisions when you're 16. I mean, it's never been murder or anything like that, but peer pressure's a bitch. They did have very inflated egos, and they thought they were going to get away with this, and they did think they were smarter than everybody, so that puts things into perspective a little bit. These Xantops are survived by their two daughters, and it has to be so hard for them. I, Like I said, I don't even know how I would be able to even begin to process the things they've had to do. As I said before, these were two amazing people, and their deaths made a great impact on the community. These two kids weren't even from New Hampshire. They came down from Vermont, and they've been trying to do this shit for six months. And it's almost like wrong time, wrong place, but it shouldn't be like that at all. So while we are at Dartmouth College, we will be going to the Xantops Memorial Garden. It is near the Rawlings Chapel on the campus. Light some candles and pay your respects to these two intelligent, happy, amazing people whose lives were ripped away from them.
It's crazy. This world is fucking crazy. I mean, you gotta worry about 16, 17-year-olds. You don't even know who the fuck they are. Come up to your house and just murder you? For what, money? That they didn't even get much money from? It's just fucking ridiculous. The world we live in now is fucking ridiculous. You can't even go anywhere without being worried about getting fucking shot. Things need to change. They really do. And only we can change them, so there's that. I just wish things were different for these two amazing people. They did great things with their lives, and thankfully they have their daughters to carry on their memories as well as their friends and family and community that will never forget them because they were just that great. And this concludes my episode of Wicked Wanderers. And as always, wander more and stay wicked. Bye! Thank you for listening to Wicked Wanderers. If you could please rate and review, five stars would be amazing, especially on Apple Podcast or Spotify. This helps others find my podcast. I write, edit, and produce this podcast all by myself. If you wish to donate to the cause, you can at patreon.com slash wickedwanderers. You can do a general donation, or I do have a monthly Patreon subscription. There is a bonus episode posted. If you have any places that you have traveled to, or any fun things that you've gone and done, please email those to me at wickedwandererspodcast at gmail. Pictures of all the areas discussed, as well as those soundbite clips, will be posted on my Instagram at wicked underscore wanderers podcast. Links to where I got some of my information for this episode are in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I love each and every single one of you.